Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. When I was young, in the 1950s, I attended Catholic Grammar School and I memorized the Baltimore Catechism. In fact, I think I got an A on all of my tests. Um, I faithfully attended Mass each week, not because I wanted to, but because I was afraid if I didn't, I would suffer eternal damnation. I followed all the rules. I followed my Catholic faith um, faithfully. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I can't even share with you how I was so wrote in my faith. And I was attending this, but I was not present. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it, honey. You've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm a, you know, he, his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never followed through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you on your own could have done this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 21, St. Paul compares the sacrifice of the Christians to the sacrifice of Israel and then to the sacrifice of the pagans. Paul calls the chalice, the blood of Christ, and the bread as participation in the body of Christ, and then warns his listeners that you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. So in other words, you need to decide what are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist or not? Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, as Mike and Mike always used to say, we're back and better than ever. Uh, and uh, this morning, uh, how are you, Anne? Uh, Anne is my co-host, and she's always here. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> oh, very good. Great to be here. I love fall, as I keep saying every week. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Uh, it is nice to see the changing of the colors and the trees and all of that. Uh, so, tell us, Anne, uh, who we have as a guest today, because I know uh, we both know him very well. Yes, he's a friend of both yours and mine, and of Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network, is uh, Father Matthew Phelan coming to us from Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Leroy, New York. Hi, Father. Hi, Anne. Hi, Bill. Hey. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have Good you. Good to be here. Uh, although I, I, I have about. to, I have to say, as I listen to the intro, I just, I, I just pray that I'm be, I'm, I'm up to the task of helping to instill hope because <laughs> these are such crazy times, and uh, you know, 
you know, we, we just were mere instruments of our Lord. And I just uh, pray, uh, pray that I can be used in that manner. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. These are crazy times, Father, for sure. Mm-hmm. You're always a great guest on this show because we mm-hmm. started this uh, podcast back in March. And we always tell that story over and over again. But what happened was when the pandemic started, we both had the idea of this podcast. And here we are now in October. And it, it's going very well. We've had thousands of listeners. Yeah. And, and, and wonderful guests. And I know you've been a guest a few times. And the Mercedarians as well. So it's a great thing. And great. we have a lot to talk about, like you said, on mm-hmm. hope. Uh, right before the show, you were communicating with us that one of the topics that you wanted to talk about is confusion, because right now there is so much confusion going on uh, in this world, in our country. Sure. Well, not just even in our country, but really in the world. And um, I guess one one of the things, I guess, um, maybe one of the areas that I hadn't, and I'm not necessarily directly involved, but um, you know, one of the areas that, you know, as, as we go through life, of course, God, you know, continually opens our eyes and expands our horizons. And, um, you know, being here in, in Western New York, uh, I, I've had the blessing of kind of being uh, indirectly connected, well, directly connected with some and then indirectly connected with their ministry, but um, with some of the people in the, in the area that are uh, active in Catholic deliverance ministries. And, um, it really awakens, it really helps, has helped to awaken me also to the, to the spiritual battle that we are in, in this world. And we speak of confusion, you know, that's, that's a fruit of the evil one. The evil one loves to sow those seeds of confusion, uh, and water them because then confusion leads, uh, to division and it, and it leads to this, this, wound, you know, and, and it plays upon this woundedness. We know God has won the victory. We know Christ has won, uh, but the devil seeks to scatter as many as possible uh, in this world. And so, um, you know, so we do, we find ourselves in times of great confusion. You know, you talk about the blessing of the podcast, okay? You know, when we talk about the, you know, the the internet, uh, it's a great blessing. It it allows us to uh, reach and evangelize and, and bring Christ to many that, the there's the even the the pandemic um something uh that we may have talked about in this format and then also some of the other formats that you're involved with but even like the idea of streaming masses i mean you know the, the, the devil's all over the internet now christ is getting <laughs> all over the internet also um but but so that's a great blessing but one of the areas i think where then can become confusing and i was thinking about this this morning is um, even as I was listening to the readings at today's Mass and St. Paul writing to, to the Corinthians, um, you know, and, and, you know, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's giving, uh, just kind of recalling his conversion and he had persecuted the church. And then he didn't go up to Jerusalem right away. And then he's talking about when he went up there, he only met with uh, Cephas, he met with Peter uh, and James, the brother of the Lord. And then he kind of went on. So he didn't meet, you know, um, so, you know, he's, kind of doing his little name dropping, but he's saying, I didn't, you know, meet with all of them. And then I, God called me to you know somewhere else, but you know, everywhere he goes, so he's going to local churches. So, you know, he started down in Arabia and then he goes up to, to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. He's writing to local churches. Um, you know, he's writing to the Galatians in this case, in the letter today. And what's happening right now is we have a local church, my parish, we go, we stream online. That's primarily for our parishioners. But people from all over can get into our stream, okay? And so the concept of local church, you know, your local diocese, whatever, that's almost kind of becoming confused now. So now people can go online and they can go, okay, well, I don't like this priest, so I can go listen to this one halfway across the country because I like his message better. Well, where, you know, you know, Paul, will in, in, in his letters, he's going to say, you know, well, and in, in, in he writes to the Corinthians, you know, you know, well, you know, well, some say I belong to Paul, and some belong to Paulus. Well, you know, no, we belong to Christ. And all of these ministers, we're, we're instruments, we're instruments for Christ. And so we have to be even careful in this whole 
um, situation that we find ourselves in this whole uh, the, the, this milieu of, of our modern world that that we don't lose sight also though of the importance of the way that the church is structured. Um, I don't know, I, I'm kind of rambling, but I mean, I, I think you get, you can kind of get, you know, again, there can be this confusion that comes in, even, you know, we just have to be aware, we have to recognize that we're in this spiritual battle, and we have to pray for guidance constantly. Yeah, absolutely, Father. I totally agree with you. And, you know, especially you're talking about, uh, you know, people live streaming masses across different dioceses, and, and, and I like what you said there, where it stuck out to me, at least. Uh, well, you know, I don't like what that priest says, so I'm just going to tune into this priest over here, and um, you know, that's there. There's something there's something off-putting about that. There's something off-putting mm-hmm. about that where, you know, uh, we as uh, faithful Catholics also have to recognize that um, we, in whatever locale we find ourselves, are, you know, obedient to Christ and and all the teachings of the Church. So, like here. Right now, in my diocese, my bishop, I think it was two weekends ago or three weekends ago, lifted the oblig, you know, or, or reimposed, I should say, the obligation to attend Sunday Mass. Now, that's not the case in many different dioceses around the country mm-hmm. right now, but right now I am obligated to go to Sunday Mass. You know, here, now, my, my parents who might be in Kentucky or my brother and sister who might live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you know, where that's not the case right now. But for me, I'm obligated to attend Mass in person because I'm a resident of the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and my bishop says I am obligated to go. Uh, but, but, but I'm not so sure that um, that message is being clearly delineated across sure. the United States right now, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with both of you. Mm. I mean, and, and I think sometimes... And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a favorite church or homily or priest or or message or whatever. I mean, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I mean, it is the Eucharist, right? So when we get too picky and selective about the priests and things like that, and uh, I don't know. I mean, and I know that even on Facebook, there's some groups that uh, are trying to bring to light that some priests are following church teaching and some aren't. Now that's a whole nother story, isn't it? Sure. I mean, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. One, one thing, one thing as, as I was celebrating mass this morning, and it's, I couldn't say that I can't say that this is the first time this has occurred to me, but I haven't thought about it in a while, but it did pop out in my head. And um, as you know, uh, Anne, and I don't know if you know, Bill, but I, you know, I have, I have done both forms. I mean, I have celebrated both forms of the mass, the extraordinary form and the ordinary form. Um, since coming up to Leroy, I haven't had the opportunity as much to do the extraordinary form um, as I did when I, I kind of did it uh, semi-regularly at our parish in Philadelphia. And, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I don't want to get into a debate about, you know, the, the, the two forms. Um, I, you know, there's, there's uh, beauty in, in both, but, uh, you know, one of the things I thought, that, you know, I was thinking about one of the safeguards and a lot of times we don't we hear a lot of the bad things sometimes about abuses in the novus ordo but one of the things i was thinking about this morning is okay when i do the extraordinary form those words of consecration the the canon um it's it's called a secret prayer so the priest does it in an inaudible voice he has the words have to be pronounced there has to be air passing his lips it's not a silent prayer but he does it you know silent and and, um it, it certainly draws uh attention to the great mystery taking place and the awe and the inconceivableness of, of God's mystery. Um, however, if you think of, you know, the, if those words are inaudible, there has to be complete trust in the congregation that that priest is doing those words properly. And, you know, you have to say the mass is the mass. Well, Actually, one to me, like one of the safeguards of the Novus Ordo. Okay, okay, you, you, you can hear the priest, and you know if he's changing the words or if he's using the proper words. And at least if he's not doing it properly, you have some recourse as laity. If the prayer is completely secret and inaudible, again, you know you trust, and that's that takes an act of faith. Yeah. But if there is a priest that would have, you know, some either careless uh, intention or even it's you know there have 
through history, there have been people with evil intention also that uh, either uh, priests that have fallen and lost their faith or those that have come into the church trying to to um, sow seeds of confusion within that have come in with ill intention. And so, you know, there wouldn't be that safeguard. So there is, that is one of the positive things I would say maybe about the Novus Ordo is, okay, the priest, I have to say those words audibly so you know if I'm actually doing it properly or not. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, and also just like in any other kind of institution, and we all remember when we were in high school or college or in our neighborhood or even in our own families, you know, there's going to be some people who are kind of uh, on another note, which isn't on the note that you just ended, mm -hmm. uh, popularity. I mean, yeah. and, and, and I don't necessarily think, and I don't, I think that you two would probably agree with me that just because one priest is extremely popular with the people and has a, a quote following, I mean, even on social media, you see that with some of these national figures uh, and that's great, but we have to be careful too, because he's uh, Jesus really is, is, is his first priority, right. And, and the church and not becoming this popular priest that everybody admires. And, you know, you gotta be careful with all that stuff. Sure. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah one, I, well, one, one of the, now I'm in a religious order. So we always have two to three people per house. Usually there's more than one priest in the house. So in, in that light, you know, in, in the, the, um, the, the vows that we make and the, and the, uh, the, the living and in, in community, and the sacrifices that we make for living community bring that blessing in the sense that it's uh, rare that it's, I mean, that that's just one of us in a place. So um, that being said, you know, and that's something the, the secular clergy, the diocesan clergy doesn't always have that luxury, you know, and so a lot of times, you know, you may just have, you know, one priest. Now in the places where we have that luxury because we're friars and we have more than one, I have learned very well from, from the good examples in our order that came before me and um, the pastors that I either that served, served as a priest under or even before I was a priest. And, you know, our, our pastors in our order, um, I rarely saw any of our guys, you know, okay, well, this is my mass and then you do this mass every week. They always switched it around because our friars, they didn't want people to just become attached to the priest. Or that that, pre, that that priest would just get like a, a cult following or something like that, and so they always, you know, mixed it around the schedule. You, you know, some you know in some place sometimes they would they would put in the bulletin who which priest was saying the mass. Most of our guys tried to avoid that for that reason because you don't want. Or then you know that way if somebody's coming here, okay, uh, oh, but the bulletin said Father Matthew's got the ten forty five, but now it's Father Ken. You're fooling me, you no? Know, because I was I don't even print uh, which priest is doing the mass, um, but. But again, you know, there was, again, and that's one of the good things about the extraordinary form, because it didn't, it, there was the, that idea, that whole concept of like the faceless priest, he was standing in representing Christ, mm -hmm. um, and his personality might come out a little bit in the homily, but in the rest of the mass, you know, it was, it was supposed to be the same wherever you went. Um, you know, I think maybe one of, one of the unforeseen um uh, results of, uh, of the Novus Ordo and the, sometimes, or the, the priest facing the people, um, which oh, Novus Ordo can be done either way, either facing east or facing uh, the people. Maybe one of the unforeseen side effects is sometimes it, the priest personality can come out like we're almost like he feels like he's on stage. And that's something we have to always guard against. Um, because again, we're not there to put on a show. We're there to lead, to lead, lead prayer. Um, but again, so you know, as you said, so so I have learned one of the wisdoms, a great wisdom that I learned from the priests in our order that came before me. You know, don't schedule the same guy every week for the same mass. You move it around, um, and and you know, and and also you get different. You know, some guys are every. We all have our gifts. Some guys are great preachers, uh, and maybe they're not so great in personal advice. There are those that are like wonderful one on one, and they might put you to sleep from the pulpit but Christ is working through all of them. Yeah. We it's all have our gifts and talents, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. all of us as humans and, and priests certainly too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and some, of, so, you know, some of the, some of the greatest friars and community and self-sacrifice, you know, okay. They might not have 
you know, the, the same gifts, you know, uh, in preaching or things like that. And, and that's okay. Today we had a, in, you know, in the gospel, uh, once again, we get that, the story of Mary and Martha, you know, and, uh, they both use their gifts for serving Christ, uh, you know, in different, in different ways. And both, you know, Christ didn't say what Martha was doing was bad. He just said right there in that moment, <laughs> Mary was choosing the, the, the better part. Mm. Yeah, that's a great lesson. Mm. That really is for all of us, isn't it? So, Especially right at this time, because we're all being I, torn. We're all being torn, yeah. I think, all over the place. And that was another topic that you wanted to talk about, which I think mm. is a good one, is division. Because, yeah. uh, yes, there's division in the church, and there's also just division in society. We have an election coming up. There's also division there. So, I mean, did you have any thoughts on that at all? Just the... The well, that you're seeing. Oh, I've got lots of thoughts on it. Not all of them that I'll share here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, let, the, the one word that I just will, I'm going to put out there because I think it, it captures the problem of, of our division right now. And, it, and, it, and it's something that no matter where one stands or what one's views are, it's something that it's a temptation we all fall into. And that is dehumanizing, dehumanizing. You know, when we speak of the gospel of life, and, um, and I think there's a lot right now, one of the areas of confusion, um, and it's frustrating for me, you know, is you know, our, the, the stance on issues of life. Um, you know, and there's the, the, the one camp that says that all the issues of life are equal. And then there's the other camp that says there's all, all the issues of life flow from one's fundamental right to life. And so that's, that's preeminent. So, but within that, what you end up, ha what ends up happening in the argumentation and the debate um, is the dehumanization of the other. And um, it's just something I think we have to ask ourselves every day when we do our examination of conscience. Lord, in my actions and in my words, did I dehumanize somebody else? Mm. Because when we do, and one said that's a sin against life. Because babies in the womb have been dehumanized. They had to be dehumanized to allow them to be killed. But how yeah. often do we dehumanize people then in our speech in our conversation. Um, yeah. And we see that in the political discourse. There's, you know, people, you know, jumping for joy because somebody gets sick or whatever, and you disagree with, oh, well, you know, he said this and that, so we justify it. Well, he did that, so I'm going to do it. Well, if he did do it, that doesn't justify our doing it. Yeah. You know, uh, we're called to something higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. Father, uh, I wanted to let you know that we actually have somebody on our Podbean feed who is chatting with us. Okay. Um, and so uh, I, I asked him uh, if he had any uh, to topics and, you know, on the line of confusion uh, mm -hmm. that he wanted to bring up. Uh, and he was just concerned about um, a little, a lot of the violence, I guess, you know, um, you know why, why people are killing other people and also uh, the state of the church, you know, mm -hmm. during, during this time. And, Everything is seemingly so polarized, uh, and so if, do you have any comments on on the polarization uh, in society? You know why why there seems to be such a um, just like you were talking about that division. You know that that division between, and then it creates all this confusion in between. So, uh, do you have any comments on on that? Yesterday we celebrated. Uh in the church, it was the optional memorial of St. Faustina Kowalska. Um, and uh, of course, she's known for her relationship or her uh, to uh, the divine mercy and our Lord uh, using her to promulgate um, the devotion uh, to divine mercy, to expound upon the mystery of God's mercy. Um, and I talk about dehumanization so the violence that occurs in our society right now, um, you have you basically what you have is dehumanization 
with the excuse because somebody was dehumanized in the past. Because somebody was dehumanized in the past, I now must dehumanize in the present moment in order to make up for that dehumanization in the past. Mm. Well, that's human justice. It's not divine justice and divine mercy. You know, I mean, it, you know, if our if our Lord decided, okay, well, you did all of these sins, so now I've got to throw this upon you because you, I mean, you know, we would have no hope. But our Lord forgives, gives us a new start, puts the past behind and says, what will you do from this point forward? Um, and that's, you know, we have a culture that is enslaved to vengeance, revenge, human justice rather than divine justice and mercy. Um, and so this we have now this division. So everything becomes a tit for tat. Okay, you did this, well, I got to repay with this. And so there, there's never, you know, the only way you the, the only way you get free from this is to, to, to say, let's sit down today and let us forgive as God forgives. Let's put the past behind. And now we have to move forward in truth. Um, easy, easier said than done. Um, but I just, you know, this, I think the, the, this confusion, this division, this violence, um, again, it, it was, you know, some of it, some of it is born from, from real injustice. Some of it is born from um, perceived injustice at times when there isn't injustice. Um, because, because there are those who seek human power. And so people sometimes seize the pain and the division because then they can increase their power and control. Um, I don't know if you've seen, there's, I love, there's, there's a great uh, meme. I've seen it in different forms, but uh, the meme that says that there's like, if you take uh, black ants and red ants and you put them in a jar together and you close it, they ignore each other and they don't fight with, but then if you take the jar and shake it up, the red ants begin to attack the black ants and each other, they start ripping each other apart because they think that each other is responsible for the chaos of the shaking. And they don't know that it was somebody, the one who is guilty is the one who shook the jar. And then the, it says, who's shaking the jar for us right now? And I think that oh becomes, I think it's a great question because we have so many people with varying views Somebody is shaking. Now, inevitably, the one shaking the jar is the evil one. We talked about this great spiritual battle that we're in. And he's shaking the jar. And we're, all, we're all tearing each other apart. Yeah. And, and only, only, only Christ is, is the answer to that. Well, he's going to be able to pull us apart then and bring that healing. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. a great analogy. It's it's a time for prayer, for sure. It's a time to increase our faith, not to walk away from it. Mm -hmm. You use the word faceless. It's a time to look at people, each as humans that you talk to and you communicate mm -hmm. with. Wow, the ones that you see in person, right? <laughs> Even on Zoom calls, mm -hmm. right? But I mean, it's, it's a time to uh, look at people, like you said, as human beings, who are not your enemies, even if you don't agree politically or mm. religious wise, or if you're a person of faith and they are not, you know, it's not a, t a time to attack people because everybody wants the common good. I mean, let's face it, even if we completely disagree, most people want some kind of betterment of society, I would guess, mm. right? I mean, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm yeah. hoping that that's what, what most people wish yeah. for. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. I know another thing that you wanted to talk about, Father, was loyalties to man. Yeah. Um, oh, I had I had one of the other. Oh, my my brain just. I see. I'm I'm getting old here. My brain just popped. I had a, had something else I was gonna add to that, but oh well. Maybe it it it, it might come back. Um, had it. Oh yeah, I know what it had to do. Like with the shade, you know that because it was uh, the one you had the question from from the listener. Um, and so then the, I guess the one other thing I wanted to just really just quickly mention is that, you know, we do have, again, we were talking about the early kind of the, the kind of the mixed blessing of, uh, of the internet streaming, because sometimes it can even cause confusion, but so we, but 
Um, we do have so much at our fingertips today, so much information that if we are seeking truth, we certainly can find it. Now, you know, we have to make sure we have a we have a good filter and a well-formed conscience and all of that and and seek to constantly uh, form that conscience. Um, I remember uh, Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict speaking about uh, the hermeneutic of continuity, um, which was was a concept that, you know, how do you interpret something? There's there's a continuity going back to Christ throughout the history of the church. And I think that's, you know, it's important for us that that concept becomes important for us because what happens? We live in this soundbite culture. We live in this culture that wants to say, okay, what well, was said today? And then we have to twist, you know, okay, this, but that's the truth today. Well, no, I mean, Christ is the truth. And we have this gift of the church, the, of the teaching of the church that has been passed down to us through the apostolic succession, yeah. um, through, and the apostolic tradition has come through us through the fonts of sacred tradition and sacred scripture. And the church has guided us through her history uh, in that uh, understanding and interpretation. Um, you know, so, you know, of course, yesterday, and I, and I don't even want to, I won't comment specifically on the encyclical because I haven't yet read it. Um, but what I did notice when the encyclical, once it's released, you have, everybody begins to argue about it before having read it or taking this piece and saying, this means this, and this means that, so you must act this way or this way, or you should vote this way or vote that way. Um, or, you know, okay, oh, Pope Francis is a false Pope. Pope Francis is the greatest Pope since Peter. You know, everybody starts arguing about that. Um, Father McKen, who I live with, we were talking about this yesterday. And so when you read something and whatever, whatever we read does have to be, have to be uh, as Catholics, um, and then we recognize words of the Holy Spirit and all this, it has to be, as, as Pope Emeritus Benedict said, understood through the hermeneutic of continuity. You can't take a current papal, th uh, you know, something the Pope says, <laughs> and if it contradicts all of, you know, Christian, you want to give an interpretation that's contradictory of everything going back before, well, that cannot be the interpretation yeah. because it can't conflict. Right. And, you know, so it has to be read with, with within that. And so if somebody wants to say, well, okay, yeah, the church teaching has changed. Well, no, it hasn't changed. You're just, you're trying to take one thing and then pull it out and make that interpret, you know, so we have to, we have to be careful about that whenever, um, whenever we have these things. So we have to take time slowly to, you know, to, to read, to pray, to look at all of the history of tradition and then, you know, and then, and, and be guided in that way on, on how, how we understand, um, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It, it really does. Uh, and, and, and it's a good thing to, to look at the whole picture, right? I mean, like, you know, again, again, just taking one section or one sentence out, um, of, of a, um, document or of even of a of, of a speech right i mean i think right. i think we're seeing a lot of that today <laughs> you know sure. especially in our political landscape where mm -hmm. we just you know you watch you watch these political ads on tv <laughs> and and it's just you know soundbite after soundbite after soundbite and it's like well no i think uh th this is part of a larger context right sure. and and uh so looking at uh the the because God looks at the whole context, right, Father? Doesn't yes. doesn't God look at the entire context? You know, and that's part of it. You know, God doesn't look at a at at just um, you know a section. He looks at the entire um, picture of of you as a person, but as uh, and all of the different relationships and the way you interact with people too. He mm -hmm. looks at you know, each and every aspect of your, of your life. And so as you were talking earlier, especially about the life issues, which I think the Catholic Church has, uh, you know, gotten right on every account because it's divinely inspired, but it, but it looks at the entire, the entirety of the life issue, right? And right. if, and if you are, you know, uh, a, a faithful person who, um, is, is praying in front of, um, you know, abortion clinics, which is a wonderful ministry and a wonderful thing to do. Uh, you know, you you also should be praying and and acting for uh, those 
people who uh, are in danger of euthanasia or are in danger of, uh, you know, the death penalty. You have to look at it from the entire perspective of of um, the, you know, the entire issue. It's not just, okay, I'm going to select one one life or one piece is more important than the others. Yes, I would agree innocent life is more important than than than. Than, than not, but we have to look at the whole picture of creation and of the human person, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That makes I, complete I, sense. It makes yeah. complete sense. I mean, I just I just was there last week. I I was praying in front of an abortion facility with uh, Mickey Kelly, who's been a guest on this show, and he's also the president of the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation. You guys both know him very well. Um, but Mickey, you know, what you just said about you have to look at all of those aspects. Um, the people that I've met within the pro-life community in Philadelphia, especially, they're focused on abortion, but I think they're also focused on all the other aspects. I know Mickey is, if he's mm-hmm. listening, uh, very focused on all the aspects of life. And so it's, a, it's an honor to be associated with mm-hmm. a group like 40 Days for Life and be able to offer those prayers and, and, you know, now is the time. They're in a campaign right now. I know that they're in a campaign till Election Day, I think. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, and I, you know what, as I, I with this, with of course, this last Sunday was Respect Life Sunday. And some, I guess uh, something I reflected upon is that we have, you know, we do have to, we have to make sure that those, those, uh, you know, in the womb, uh, that there's a lot of other issues, but we have to make sure that they have a chance in life yes. to actually face those issues. Because right. Some of them may have the solutions that we seek, you know. Right. And so. Oh yeah, I mean, I, Father, yeah. I, I totally agree with yeah. you. Uh, I think there is even a story, um, and and whether this is true or false, I think is left to you know inter- sure. interpretation. interpretation. But I remember being heard the uh, being being told that you know uh, Saint Padre Pio had the gift of um, he had the gift of uh, in the confessional, being able to read souls, read souls yeah. and uh, and and this woman came in uh, to the confessional, and she was and, and he was greatly disturbed, and asked her to um, excuse herself for just a little while, and please come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, whether this is true or not, I don't know. But um, but when when uh, she came back for confession, she asked him, "Father, what was that about?" And um, and, and he and he said, "You were going to come in here and confess abortion." And she said, yes, I was. And I, he goes, that child was going to be the future pope. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. that just rattled me. He goes, that just rattled me. It's not that, you know, I, I think it would rattle anybody yeah. if they had that knowledge, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so I, I think when, when, when you say uh, that a lot of our future ills, and, and it, like who are we, who are we, um, you know, aborting what lives are we yeah. stopping and and the other thing too i think you know people talk about a lot of the injustices especially you know um with okay they want they want um, you know greater you know health care and all these different things well how many how many people have ha, have we aborted a cure to cancer have we aborted i mean right. what have we what have we aborted um right. and what have we stopped because the greatest minds um in you know in in the world, I mean, you know, there's no other being like like human beings, right? There's no other yeah. being like human beings, and I think, I think we forget that often. You know, I think we forget that often in our culture today. You know, uh, we're always trying to invent, you know, AI or some other thing. Now, the greatest minds are are those who who God has gifted with, um, you know, us. And- and on, on your, if I may, and then on, you know, and then on, you know, like the other quote you talk about, um, you know, uh, imprisonment and then the issue, you know, of capital punishment. And um, one of my, and you, and you had a guest, you have another show that you do on Sundays and uh, on your, uh, uh, excuse me, on Fridays. And on your Friday show, your guests had talked about, started talking a little about uh, Maria Goretti and the great uh, story in her life. And, um, you know, to me, the the greatest miracle of of of, of Maria Goretti's martyrdom is the conversion of her attacker, Saradelli. You know, and, and if you would take a look, um, you know, if that were to happen today, 
Serenelli, you know, a young, young man murdering, um, you know, trying to rape an 11 year old who to resist and then murdering her um, so brutally, stabbing her 14 times, there would be cries out for, for the death penalty for such a person. Yet Maria on her deathbed forgives Serenelli and Serenelli is unrepentant for 20 years. And then Maria appears to him in a dream and that begins his conversion so profound that he eventually is let out of prison, goes back and receives and asks forgiveness from Maria's mother, you know, mother, and she forgives him. And here he, uh, you know, the, the, her very attacker uh, is alive and present for her canonization uh, and lives out his life uh, in holiness to the point where there is even his life now is being investigated. So somebody that can go from being a brutal murderer and potential rapist to somebody who now lives a life of sanctity um, that's just to me the the life the life of Serenelli is just a, a great message of hope and how transforming God's mercy and forgiveness can be. Yeah, it's just it's mind blowing. Absolutely, it is, and it gets to the heart of really as Christians and as Catholics and you know as human beings how important forgiveness is. I mean, how many of us have somebody in our lives that we have a real hard time forgiving? And and I think it it does unlock so much when you can, through the grace of God, let something go from the past. I've learned that a lot through the foundation that I'm the director mm -hmm. for. Uh, you had so much to do with the uh, the foundation, Father Matthew, as, as you were the one who uh, with Father Joseph came together to um, help to start it. So mm. we've talked to so many people who were uh, affected by divorce and, and there's a lot of unforgiveness that goes there too yeah. with couples and, um, and with the kids and even between mm. the siblings sometimes. Sure. I mean, yeah. you see that. Um, I do want to make a shout out if I could about the conference that's coming up too yeah. on that note. Uh, we do have the uh, After Divorce Conference coming to smartcatholics.com. So if you know someone who is affected by divorce and separation, you go to smartcatholics.com, and then you'll see the icon for After Divorce. Um, it's, it is a free conference, but there's some upgrades to be able to uh, get the downloads. I think it only starts at like $10 or $25 uh, that you can become a part of the community. So I'm gonna be a speaker there. And I know that uh, Father Matthew is also gonna be a speaker on the online conference. He's gonna talk about confession. And Rose Sweet, who's the vice president of the St. Raymond Anatas Foundation. I just wanted to mention that because it's coming up this weekend and it is worth checking out. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, smart Catholics. Definitely check it out, folks. I know uh, there's a lot going on there. Great organization, too. Uh, great, great uh, people uh, run that stuff. So, so please, uh, so please support you know Anne and the foundation uh, and uh, and Rose and all of it. I think there's just so much uh, really good stuff uh, that they're doing. So please uh, support that. Uh, you know, Father, as you're telling the story of Maria Goretti, I um, and um, I, I have been struck by this uh, Bible quote in the past um, in the past uh, couple of weeks. I one of the one of the resources that our ministry created was this free resource called the Fearless Scriptural Rosary, where uh, we took uh, all the different um, uh, scripture passages—not all of them, but many of them—that say "Do not fear, be not afraid," uh, and we paired them with the fifty uh, you know Hail Marys in the Rosary, and um, one of the one of the really interesting uh, quotes that keeps hitting me when I pray this uh, was something that you just touched on, and I just want to share it with our listeners from First Samuel twelve uh, twenty, and it says this: "Do not fear." Samuel answered them, "It is true you have committed all this evil. Still, you must not turn from the Lord, but must worship Him with your whole heart." And and I, I and I love that, especially with the Maria Goretti quote or, or the, with, with the Maria Goretti story. Um, but I, but but I love it for us too. 
during these times because you know what? I mean, it's true. You know, I, I'm a sinner. Everybody has committed evil, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But but man, we still. But do not fear because if we continue to turn to the Lord, you know, and not turn away from Him and worship Him with our whole hearts, we have very little to fear, right? Like, I mean, God's going to forgive mm-hmm. our sins, and 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 that's the mercy we we're talking about earlier too. Yeah. Amen. And, Amen. Thank you both. And then it's, uh, yeah, one other, uh, just, uh, I guess, I, I, I know my, my confers might be remiss if I didn't mention this aspect of it. So I'm going to admit, but, uh, you know, one, one other thing uh, with the whole, um, again, why I do find Maria Goretti and Serenelli so inspiring as this, you know, happening end of 19th century, moving into the beginning of the, the 20th century, um, you know, later on in his life, what Serenelli warned, and it was so, he warned, you know, what, what started, he, he kind of, what started his path down the, the path of not having self-control was the getting indulged in what was the pornography of his day, which is nothing I mean, compared to what people have access to today. But his indulging in the pornography allowed him to begin to dehumanize others. It allowed him to dehumanize Maria and see her as an object for his pleasure rather than a human being, you know, that and deserving, um, you know, respect and, and love. And so that, that started it. And so he, you know, he warned about that later in his life. And, and, you know, and again, so that, that warning coming in the mid 20th century, I mean, how timely it was for what was just, you know, to be unleashed upon us, like in our own time. Yeah. Um, and, and again, so, so there's, that, you know, there's so many that are enslaved today to pornography, not just men, men and women. And that, that does, it leads to that further dehumanization. Um, and that, so that's a great danger. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We had a guest here, uh, Steve Picorni. I know you know him too, Bill, yep. uh, who, who has a whole ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if anybody wants to look up Steve Picorni, and his uh, ministry for anti-pornography. He's doing very good work. Yes. Um, One of the other topics that you mentioned that you wanted to talk about was uh, dangers of what's going on right now in society. Mm. And if we don't open our eyes, where that can lead. So how can we be uh, more aware of what's happening and how to stay on the right track, not only with our faith, but even for our country too? Uh, it looks like the spirit has kind of moved me to <laughs> the theme of dehumanization and humanization. So I, I really, the step one, where we as cat again, it's the same answer. I mean, to step above the fray of all of this, we have to resist the temptation to dehumanize. So even when we like look, look out, I mean, you know, maybe probably most of us have seen the images of the various uh, I don't even want to call them, you know, well, I call the March for Life as a peaceful protest. People go, they silently, they pray, they're in good, you know, they, but, and that, that's a peaceful protest. What I would call, the, I would say the contentious protests, when one is using all kinds of profanity and up and screaming in somebody's face, that's not peaceful. It may be not vile, physically violent, but it's still contentious. So when we've seen many of the contentious protests, and you see this person screaming in, in people's face and, and, and using all kinds of profanity, dehumanizing language. The devil wants us now to dehumanize that person that's doing that. And once we do that, we allow the devil to win. And so we have to, that's so difficult when somebody is not act, is not is acting really not humanely, it becomes very difficult for us to see the image and likeness of God in that person. But even that person that's screaming and that's her whatever and has given into the anger, has given into the hurt, that's given into the hate, as long as they're in this world, our Lord is is longing for their return to him. He's longing to save their soul. And we have to pray for a grace to be able to move beyond our own anger in our own disgust 
at what times at oftentimes is you know bad behavior or even you know if it, 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 it's you know uh, it's seeing somebody abuse their power and then abuse somebody else that's in okay you know in a, in a crime happens okay um you know and okay that but now we we have to now rise that that doesn't give us an excuse now to dehumanize somebody just because one person was dehumanized and so you know when we think of all of the the challenges that we have in this culture all of the division all of the chaos the dangers you know the real dangers that we're in um uh even with that we have to begin each day asking god for the grace not to give in to the hatred not to give in to the division not to give in to the lack of mercy and the condemnation yeah, yeah so important and it's tough it's tough oh yeah how about for people who are listening all of us have family members neighbors i mean i know even where i live on my street we have a pretty long street and you know, there's all kinds of different signs for political, but both ways, you know, <laughs> and, and everybody's entitled, you know, I, I do believe that everybody's entitled mm. to what they believe and what they, uh, which direction they want to go in. But it's the whole, uh, you know, taking someone and saying, well, I don't like that person because they are voting for this person, you mm. know, or because they're Catholic or they're Jewish or whatever it is, you know, or they don't believe in God. Uh, you know, people go so far as to dehumanize. So how about for those people that are going to sit down at Thanksgiving dinner or get together with family members who are uh, on opposite sides? Do you have any advice for them on how to, uh, like you said, not to make them become an enemy? Well, that's, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> if I had, if I had the answers to that, I probably, uh, I, boy, our, you know, our, I, I, we could be selling books for the order and making uh, all kinds of money to be able to be given to the captives. So uh, <laughs> all, all, we, all we can do, right. All, all each of us can do is, is control what we do. Mm. And so um we have we have to just first deal with that on an individual level. Lord, give me the okay. This part, you know, give me the grace not to dehumanize this way. Sometimes there 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 are times, you know. Well, you know, this is a good point because there's time. You know, there's a lot of controversy out right now because you know there's and it's true. You know, sometimes there have been priests that have unju been unjustly persecuted at times from the hierarchy because they've spoken out. There's some that have spoken out, maybe should be, you know, um, you know, asked to take it easy a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen in my own time, you know, guys who maybe have said wonderful things, uh, you know, and, and from the pulpit to a point, but then, you know, treated, not treated people with kindness, dignity and respect. So that goes counter the gospel. You know, I've seen people with, uh, you know, grave psychological disorders say great things from the pulpit, but, they, you know, psych you know, and that was the Holy Spirit protecting them and, and all of that. Um, you know, so, um, you know, so with that, you know, there's, you have, you have all these different dynamics, you know, that, that are going, um, and, you know, with that, there's one, we also have to remember, there's always more to the story than what's at the surface. So even the person that's before me attacking me and things like that, somewhere along the line, they have some pain. Um, and so, there we have to look for those opportunities those things that we can kind of at least find the common ground where we can begin to build bridges um and um i kind of got off track a little bit but our order the mercedarian order some of you know about it some may be listening that don't but you know we we were founded to redeem christian captives from the muslims and in, in um I, southern iberia majorca northern africa in the middle ages now what our order, if we ran out of money, we would exchange ourselves, but it would, and so, but we didn't do that. We didn't do that really carelessly or, or just impulsively. The redeemers had to be really well-trained. And so it's like, if I went on a redemption and now I've used all of the property for the exchange for the captives and okay, yeah, I'm out of money. So here, take me. Well, it wasn't done just that simply. Not every situation called for the self-exchange for the dying in that moment, if it could be negotiated, well, okay, if you can wait, we can be back maybe in a few months with more ransom money. 
we would do that. It was only in those super, super grave situations that we had to do that exchange. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that, and I, and I think it's an, a concept, at least that we as Mercedarians even apply, have to at times apply to our preaching in our ministry. Okay, we could come over and beat everybody with a baseball bat from the pulpit every time and say, well, hey, I got truth on my side. And we would, but then we may then the people out there who really need to hear it, close their ears and never come back. And so we have to really discern and ask, okay, I, 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 how do I speak today that's going to at least bring the person back so now I can begin to unravel their, you know, the, the, their hardness of heart. Yeah. And that, that's, so that's a, that's a great challenge. We can't just carelessly run, okay, I'm going to just beat this already because I got truth on my, we didn't do that yeah. as ransomers. You know, okay, I could have freed that guy if I exchanged myself, but actually that wasn't the time to do it. Now there were times where that was the absolute last resort and then we did it. And so it's just, it's a principle we have to apply. It, it's not easy. We have to, and that's we have to pray for our priests. We have to pray for discernment. We have to pray for courage. But then also that, that, like, as our Lord says, we have to be, you know, clever as serpents and peaceful as doves. And yeah. sometimes in that cleverness means that today's not the day to beat people over the head, but that time may come, so to speak. Yeah, that's Yeah, great. makes a lot of sense. I do have to make that shout out for your order too, because, hey, you never know there's somebody listening who might be interested in learning about your vocations. Uh, please do go to Order of Mercy. Dot org and the vocation director is Father Daniel Bowen, because uh, you're located in Philadelphia and Western New York, and also in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and in Cleveland, Ohio. So find out more about the Order of Mercy. Maybe you know a young man who's uh, considering a vocation. So please do check it out. Yes, absolutely. Um... Yeah, this has been an awesome show. Uh, so thank you guys uh, both so much for um, this has been awesome. And Father, I want to make sure that as we're wrapping up, uh, that you also give our listeners a uh, priestly blessing. Uh, we've had some really great interaction too. I want to thank our uh, listeners on Podbean uh, Live uh, for tuning in and on YouTube and on Facebook. Thank you so much for uh, commenting and, and liking and, and sharing all this stuff. It, it's it's humbling. Um, but, but yeah, so thank you both, uh, so very much for everything you guys are doing too, uh, to lift up the kingdom of God and, uh, father, if you would close us with a, uh, priestly blessing, that would be awesome. Sure. Heavenly father, we ask you to pour your spirit upon us that, uh, we may approach each day, um, seeing your image and likeness, uh, in our neighbor, give us the grace to rise beyond the fray of division and dehumanization, which we see in our culture. And as we defend human life at all, as, at all of its stages, may all of our actions and words uh, be proclamations of life. Give us the grace to be able to uh, forgive our enemy as you have forgiven us uh, and um, protect us in these difficult times. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you and remain with you forever. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. That was a great show. It really and was. And thank you everyone for listening. Amen. Well, folks, uh, thank you so much for being a part of our ministry as always. And we really do appreciate you tuning in to us uh, and know that you can uh, file, follow, friend, and like us by just simply searching Sewing Hope on any social media platform. But until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Art Ministry and the St. Raymond Anonis Foundation, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sewing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos 2.